0: Hey everybody, this is Dan, reporting to you from some unnamed tropical island in the Pacific. You know, I couldn't really handle the the smoggy air in those Filipino cities, so I made a beeline out here to the beach and I'm having a blast. This is an episode recorded back in San Diego, and we're going to touch on topics like a huge myth about entrepreneurship, how to program your brain, and why homeowners give bad advice. Hi, this is Dan Andrews, and I'd like to thank you for downloading the Lifestyle Business Podcast. This is a podcast aimed at individuals who are interested in unconventional approaches to life, business, and their careers. All right, thanks for joining us on the podcast. For doing impromptu cast, hopping on the mics here in sunny San Diego, and it is unseasonably hot here. What's going on with that?
1: It is. Uh, we got the fans blasting. You might hear them in the background, but uh, I think <laughs> it was like 86 degrees today, which is unseasonably hot for San Diego. Uh, I moved here for moderate temperature,
0: and... Uh, a little cultural pinpoint for those of you who don't know, a lot of San Diegans don't have air conditioners because it generally is incredibly, inc- like, perfect temperature here. Yeah, but uh, this week, I guess, has been unseasonably warm. Incredible. So anyway, we're sitting here sweating, sort of pulling together some plans for next phase. of a lot of projects we have going. Um, I'm heading off to the Philippines here in two days, so... It's kind of crunch time to finish up some things. You know, I want to do a myth episode. I have this idea that there's very common myths about owning your own business and entrepreneurship. One is that there's easy systems that work for everybody. But one is that comes up quite often is this one you just alluded to, which is that running your own business is harder than having a job. Yeah. And I think that there are certain things, like in the last episode, I talked a little bit about fear, and I think as an entrepreneur you have to face down your fears a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I think you've got a lot of harder decisions to make, and, uh, and a lot of decisions that are more impactful than if you had a job.
0: Or you're looking down a higher cliff, you have more distance to fall, at yeah. least emotionally, not necessarily actually. There's a, there's a lot of, I think, there's a lot of good arguments behind the f- the fact that being an entrepreneur can actually be more stable in terms of reliability or stability than being an employee.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you have more of a say in your
0: direction. Right. So it actually, the stuff that you do every day isn't any harder than the stuff that you might do as an employee.
1: No, I think it's just a series of decisions. I mean, that's what it always is, right? So like you said, the stakes are
0: just a little bit higher. Right. And once you can kind of get confident in that decision-making process, it's just bang 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 going down the list and th- those decisions your good judgments you benefit from them so that's the exceptional quality of it that yeah. I like a lot
1: i mean plenty of people plenty of people you know uh, as employees you know don't work very hard and i think you can do the same thing as a business owner there's plenty of halfway <laughs> successful businesses that are run by people that don't work very hard so what i'm interested in is is a successful business that grows quickly and uh, generates a lot of revenue and gives people jobs and
0: produces cool things. One of the things that's another myth to me relative to entrepreneurs is I feel like there's two sorts of literature or help for entrepreneurs. One are like the mainstream kind of magazines that really focus on case studies of top level kind of exceptional cases which is problematic, right so if you even if you get your MBA right and you go read the case study of the one company that worked, what about the case study of the twenty companies that failed? yeah you know you're learning about a case that's exceptional that seems like a problem to me on the other hand you've got kind of business self help uh, entrepreneur guru type guys that are on a whole different scale, and both of them seem to ring a little false and I think although Being an entrepreneur, ultimately, you're going to create more wealth if you can provide more people with more value and change more people's lives. I think, ultimately, the beginning phases, most people are focused on creating change in their life. You know what I mean? So there's this kind of, there's this image of the noble entrepreneur who all they try to do, on the one hand, is, like, change the world. And you get a lot of this in tech forums and, Uh you know, Inc. magazine and, like, These people are just so passionate about their products and whatnot, right? And on the other hand, you've got the work-from-home guru guys. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that has been a big focus for me, and I found that there's not a lot of literature out there, is the personal transformation process where you get used to the idea of providing value to people you get used to like building up your confidence and a lot of the people you read about you know for inspiration it seems like they've never had a chink in their armor ever like they've just been so confident about their software product for the past six years and that's all they do and they're talking about changing the world left and right but I think for most people, the journey is about changing their life.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. And I think for a lot of people, it's about spending your time how you want to spend your time and, and, and building things that are valuable
0: to you. I think that's true. Well, I wanted to share one thing out of a book that I'm reading. It's called The Sex Lives of Cannibals. It's a travel memoir. And I love to read travel memoir. I love to read books in general, but uh, this is a, a memoir by a guy who went to a, an island in the South Pacific. I think what this paragraph demonstrates for me is part of the difficulty of being an employee for a lot of people it like they look at it as the easy way out now we certainly disagree financially that that's the easy way out in terms of stability but maybe for some people it's a mental way to ease the burden you know as, as, as an entrepreneur it's too daunting it's too risky it's too worrisome too many decisions too much work I'll just go to my job and sort of relax and and you know I think that a lot for a lot of people employment there's a lot of benefits Uh, and they see those benefits but this paragraph is a common sentiment against that kind of comfort and something that really rings true with me. I had grown accustomed to life being interesting and adventure-ridden and rather childishly I refused to believe that this must necessarily come to an end and that the rest of my life should be a sort of penance for all the reckless irresponsible and immensely fun things I'd done before. Now he's starting to reflect a little bit on his college years essentially where he did a lot of traveling, he did a lot of internships abroad, and he just had a blast. Being a data entry clerk, even though I was very very good, just didn't compare to being an incompetent work correspondent. In Washington, DC, I never quite knew what my ambitions were. I sensed that I should move on from waiting tables and house painting and temping and clerking, but the idea of working in an office and doing office-type work in a committed fashion seemed like a little quiet death to me." To me, like, there's a pain there for the employee, which is that although people apologize for their jobs left and right, I don't know anybody who would choose to do their job. And the problem with that isn't that you should never do things that you wouldn't want to do. The problem is when they stop working, it's over. They don't get anything from all the time that they spent doing something that they didn't want to do. That is such an incredible shame. On the other hand, you've got guys like the author here who's reflecting on a truly passionate time in his life when he was able to do all kinds of crazy things or go after the wind of passion, so to speak. People can make you feel guilty. He even uses those words like reckless and irresponsible, like as if it were somehow irresponsible to spend your life traveling.
1: Yeah, I think that a, a lot of people tell you it, it would be and that's, that's a tragedy, you know, for people to listen to that. The The worst thing about all this is that there's like a set way that you're supposed to live your life, you know, and that, like you said, that you shouldn't enjoy your life and you shouldn't travel and you shouldn't do what you want for the rest of your life because for some reason you don't deserve it because nobody else is doing it, right? Right. So that's a huge problem if if you're trying to do that with your life because you're going against all the social norms. You're probably going against what your friends are doing. Right. Um, so it's, it's real difficult to do it, but you know the value there, the value is clear, you know, and the value proposition is that uh, you can do, you can fulfill your fantasies, you know. You can go travel or you can do nothing uh, <laughs> or not much of anything, and, and you can potentially be much happier than you would be uh, otherwise.
0: The certainty of the possibility, like you just said it, you can fulfill your fantasies like as if it were certain. There's a school of self, self-help self that I'm not too familiar with, but in like the NLP cyber cyber cybernetics realm, which talks a lot about modeling precedent cases. So the idea goes, if somebody else has done it, then you can too. Mm-hmm. And in order to do it, There's a, you have to create the same kinds of actions that they created in order to get the outcomes that they got. Well, the example that Tony Robbins gave in um, his recent video with Frank Kern was awesome, which is about the four minute, the first man, I can't remember his name, but he was a remarkable runner, couldn't break the four minute barrier. And so did visualization techniques. Now he had no precedent case. He had to break through in his mind and, and visualize running that four-minute mile. And within two years, no one had ever done this before. After he broke the four-minute mark, 27 runners within the next two years uh, met that mark. And I, I think that's because, in the way Tony describes it is, they understood that they had that potential. And so they tapped into this idea, the precedent case, uh, if you believe you have the potential, then... That will inspire you to create the actions that will beget the results that have, that meet whatever your fantasies are. Right. And it's interesting because you don't hear a lot about the social pressure. What, what I think what's interesting too about the
1: social pressure is like if you were if you ask yourself when you were a kid when you're say 15 or 12 years old you know Dan let me tell you something that's really going to excite you when you're 30 or when you're 35. You see that building over there that houses a 1,000 people? You're going to be working in that high-rise from 8 in the morning until 5 at night, and then you're going to get in your automobile that you don't own because you're (laughs) still making payments, and you're going to drive back to your condo that maybe you own and you're still making payments for on 30 years. You own 15% of it. Right, right.
0: And you're paying double to the bank. Right. (laughs) And
1: then you're going to go to the grocery store and And you're gonna buy a bunch of food that's fairly overpriced and and the great thing about that is you're gonna do it over and over again 365 days a year and maybe you'll take a vacation to Hawaii for a week out of the year right so like man if somebody told me that that's what I was working for when I was in middle school or high school I think I would have just left right then you know I think I would have just walked out of the room and said that that you know there's
0: got to be a better option And so, you know, the social pressure is such that there's so much reinforcement to do that. You'll never have any problems getting along with people if that's what you do. And maybe, uh, you know, the social pressure comes in also because a lot of the people that we love and care about in our lives have taken that route. And so, you know, there's legitimate pressure involved in, in kind of navigating those relationships. But my suggestion would be if you are an entrepreneur, never take any advice or value judgment from someone who's first priority in life is to own their home well at least not as the as a as their
1: first objective in life yeah i mean
0: you you have to find people who are going after their passions and if and i think that legitimately home ownership the home that they live in is a sort of seems to be like a rallying cry, passion for a majority of employee-minded type people and if you're an employee-minded type person that's That's fine. This podcast is definitely not for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're all (laughs)
0: going to get to the finish line, right?
1: We all end up at the same place at, at at the end of our life. But you know, not taking the
0: beaten path, you know, there's a lot of advantage to not taking the beaten path. If when you talk about this idea of precedent action, if you produce mediocre or standard average results, you will get standard and mediocre returns, and that much is. Is very clear. You know, you're not going to get extraordinary results by doing ordinary things. And so that's something, if you want to be an entrepreneur, that you need to drill into your mind. If you want to be someone who travels the world and pops off a couple emails and makes a million bucks a year, you know, you need to do extraordinary things. You need to provide extraordinary value. There's just no way around it. Now, everybody has the potential to do it. And the things that hold people back are fear and belief and pressure. Pressure from other people to fall in line. And you know, you're not going to find a lot of allies when you're trying to step out and do something that isn't on other people's radar screen. Yeah,
1: it's interesting that you don't mention money any, anywhere in that, because a lot of people would say, "Well, you know, being an entrepreneur and starting your own company is, is it's really expensive, you know, and it's you know, it's a lot of takes a lot of time and how am I going to raise the capital to kind of start this kind of company that I want to start? But, you know, money is is never the reason for any of this stuff to go down. You know, it's it money is always available when, when it comes down to it. If you've got a good
0: enough idea, you can always get money. Yeah, money is something that you exchange for things that you value. And you can go after all the things that you value without money as well. And maybe not a Porsche, although you could. But... I'm talking about things like freedom, time, creativity, learning. You can create explosive value for a market and for people without having a bunch of money in your pocket. I heard this one internet marketer say, I really wish I could remember his name, but he said one time, every once in a while he'll do a little exercise and he'll look around and he'll say, if I see myself doing what the majority of people are doing, I'll immediately reevaluate my judgment. And I just, I love it. And the idea is this, how can you possibly provide a unique and interesting value if you're just falling in line with everybody else?
1: You know, I think one of the more interesting points about this this whole falling in line thing is it's it's pretty obvious if you don't fall in line that you're going to make a median salary, you know, and you're going to be able to buy medium or median goods and have know?
0: a med- medium life. Right. Right. I so mean, one of the things I hate is you, you're gonna you're gonna be able to do the things that you really want for four weeks a year maximum, or six if you're lucky. You know, that that quote from Seth Godin really got me in his tribes book where he said he was in Hawaii or something, and he got mocked by a couple walking by him who were out partying on a Saturday night. And the woman looked back to Seth, Seth, who's a famous marketer, and he was checking his email on a Saturday night because he was excited about a project. And she made a a snide comment like isn't it sad this guy can't pull himself away from his computer and and his his comment was the reverse to say isn't it sad that this woman feels she must sec- she must section herself off from her life for 2 weeks out of the out of the year right you know and i thought that that was that is it right there that is lifestyle business it's a it's not about working 2 hours a week and driving porsches it's about First, engaging passionately into your life and finding ways to create incredible value for your customers. So anyway, I want to play some tennis before I leave San Diego and go to smoggy Cebu City, so let's sign off and get moving. Adios. All right, thanks. Hey, hope you enjoyed the episode. There's a lot more where that came from. If you want regular updates, go to iTunes, subscribe, and, of course, get on our mailing list at the the website lifestylebusinesspodcast.com free to kick me an email at dan at that domain Um, if you have any podcast suggestions questions or feedback i'll see you next time